Welcome to Hookah Chats with Matt and Ethan, a podcast where two friends catch up and talk about whatever nerdy stuff comes to mind, usually over hookah. Enjoy. To portray about themselves. Nobody wants to be a weak or uh, a victim. You know, everybody wants to portray themselves as, as some sort of heroic figure, some sort of brave hero. And that's how they want to envision themselves. And what modern day Christians don't understand is that, that people don't dislike them. People don't dislike evangelicals because they're evangelicals. We dislike right. them because they're assholes. <laughs> you know, yeah, it doesn't I, I really have exactly. anything to do. It doesn't really have anything to do with their religious views in terms of like practices or um, rituals or anything in that vein. It has to do with their desire to uh, control other people and their audacity mm-hmm. and their lack of, of compassion towards people that don't share their views. Um, which is in a stark contrast to what, you know, Christianity is supposed to be all about. And that's why people yep. don't like evangelicals. It doesn't have anything to do with the fact that they're Christian. There is no war on Christmas. There is no, there is no, uh, I mean, that's all a manufactured myth, but it, 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 the reason it's manufactured in those circles is because it draws that group tighter together. Mm-hmm. Right. It gives them a, it gives them an other, it gives them an enemy. It gives them something to, to uh fight against so that they everybody can be a hero if the only thing you have to do is say merry christmas right if that if that makes you a hero if that if that makes you strong that you were the one that that said merry christmas instead of happy holidays if that's really all you have to do you know and, and they that's why they have to build themselves up to be victims so much because to fight victimhood is really easy nowadays. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All you have to do mm-hmm. is complain about it or post about it on Facebook. Right. And then yep. you can, you can attain that same kind of rebellious uh, quality as, as William Wallace, you know, and you can be, you can view yourself as, as a, 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 a martyr. That's right. <laughs> That's right. No, you're right. And, uh, and, and so I appreciate that. That's just essentially what I wrote about. And, Mm-hmm. And and what I found what I found compelling. Now the the paper I'm working on right now is for my Black Studies class, mm-hmm. and and it's nothing like that. But it's about um, I've told you about this band sometimes about the band Zeal and Ardor. Yep. Which is uh, listeners is one of my uh, uh, favorite uh, black metal bands. I don't listen to a ton of satanic black metal. Um, <laughs> A lot of it is bad. I just really want to like that's sort of the point. Like part <laughs> of the point of satanic black metal is that it's it defies the the boundaries of what we think everything is, right? And so if uh, sometimes it's bad on purpose, which is an interesting way of saying some people can't play instruments and so they form <laughs> satanic black metal bands. Some of it's fine. Like some of it is quite interesting. There, there, there's a couple of bands that are black metal bands that I listen to that I think are good. One of them is this band Zealand Ardor. And it's uh, I'm writing about them in my black studies class because Zealand Ardor is a black black metal band. You know, it, it's right. a uh, it, it's a solo project by a guy named Manuel Canu, who's this black guy. And he's a multi-instrumentalist. He's a Bangarang singer, he's incredible. 
and and what he does is he takes kind of traditional black metal elements so like aggressive drumming tremolo picking kind of high shrieks um and and blends it with like negro spirituals and like rhythm and blues and gospel and 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 all this different stuff and and the result is it sounds like a a black choir singing to the devil like like <laughs> and and it's the coolest fucking shit on the planet like some of that shit is so fucking cool and evil sounding that like i'm like i'm like oh you know like like it's it's ooh, you know it's 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 good and so i'm i'm writing about I'm using like a black theorist that, that talks about um, uh, the way in which black, black people transgress boundaries and transgress lines and, and, and the way in which blackness is associated with, with the demonic and, and whiteness associated with, with divine. And, and, and I'm, I'm writing about the ways in which the music of zeal and order not only kind of plays with that, plays with that line but but plays with it by transgressing themes in black metal as a genre mm -hmm. and so the other side of all of this is satanic black metal has this um nazi vein <laughs> that kind of runs through it um are all black metal bands nazis no they're they're not but they're um, definitely more authoritarian in nature. They are. And and uh, uh, there are key influential black metal bands and musicians who are Nazis. And, and so it becomes complicated. Uh, for example, uh, there's this guy named Varg Vickerns, who's this Norwegian black metal musician from Norway. No shit. <laughs> yep. and and uh was is one of the most influential black metal musicians ever yeah and he in i believe 1993 was arrested and sentenced to 21 years in prison for first degree murder and church arson uh <laughs> because he murdered a bandmate and then burned down a shit ton of churches in norway um and you can get on YouTube and watch his <laughs> sentencing. And like when they're giving him a sentence, he looks at the camera and like kind of gives a like yeah. kind of smiles like that and is thrown into prison. While he's in prison, he writes a a, uh, a political manifesto about his thoughts on politics and the races and and where he thinks white people came from, and and also continues to do like solo project black metal music. Uh, for a little while and then in 2009 he's released for like good behavior and he currently lives in France with his wife and children where he continues <laughs> to, to write and do stuff and uh, and like at one point in 2004 he stops writing he stops making black metal music and he's in this interview while he's in prison and 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 the interviewer is like so like you know there are you We've read your book. We, we know how you feel about politics and about black people. Um, there are the heathen front, which is like this European collective of neo-Nazis is formed around his book. Like, like, like <laughs> things happen. 
And he says, he says, I am not a Nazi and I am not a racist. I deny those claims totally. They're like, oh, okay. Um, very good. So why did you stop making black metal? And he says, it's because black metal, it, it's because metal is music. <laughs> like that's the, I will delete that, of course. But like, that is like the next thing he says. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, he's clearly not a racist. Yeah, I'm yeah. not a racist. <laughs> and so that's what I'm writing about. I'm writing about how how Zealand Order kind of is this anti-racist band, like in this historically very racist category, and takes these satanic images that are from this category and runs them through this filter of a music style that does not feel satanic. Like like a music style that so like he's got he's he's doing in his first record he's singing you know these like slave songs like he's got this black metal music that that incorporates these negro spiritual slave songs and he's got black choirs singing call and response and you know and he's he's doing all this stuff and he and he's singing about Satan liberating the slaves <laughs> and empower or or the death of God and empowering black people to to take over the earth you know like uh, uh, the second record incorporates gospel music and, and he's he writes these these like metal infused ballads that sound a little bit like gospel you know that sound like these black gospel choirs and he's singing about the meaningless of existence and and the the end of salvation and and all this stuff and, and he wrote a police brutality record after George Floyd died. And the cover of the record is two nightsticks shaped in an upside down cross. <laughs> Badass. And, and uh, it's called Wake of a Nation. And he's got a, the final track is just this. He calls it a, a field holler track where it's, it's just him playing a drum and just layering his voice over and over so he's like calling out and then his voice responds to it and like every line of this song is a double entente is like is, has like a double meaning mm -hmm. uh where it could either be about the death of america or it could be about the rising up of black people to kill america and like and each mm -hmm. line kind of like has us all and it, you know all kind of connected and it's really badass it's really cool and that's what i'm writing about i'm like and then you, you can do this that's pretty cool you know and and so we'll see well let me ask you a question why if satan is depicted in the bible and throughout history as being the enemy okay. the enemy of god right um or the 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 one that that takes people away from from god right um his name was lucifer the bringer of light right the mm -hmm. the person that that was supposed to you know he he baited eve away from right. eden with you know the promise of knowledge and the promise of independence sure. why aren't all black people in the united states given our history satanists because that seems to me, um, if 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 
if the god that we're talking about is the god of of white people mm -hmm. <laughs> right mm -hmm. white evangelical christian god um anybody who's been oppressed should be a satanist should be on I'm that sure. guy's team so what, what's your reflection on that <laughs> well manuel Ganu would be like yeah, you got it, white boy. Like, like that's that's <laughs> my point. Like, I uh, and 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 it's one of the reasons why I find why I find the the, the work he does to be really compelling. It's really good. I mean, he, he's a great instrumentalist. So that's another reason why I find it. My my main reflection on that two things: the Lucifer reflection is a medieval myth. Like, right. so, so Lucifer is not that whole thing is not necessarily biblical. It's based off of a kind of a a loose latin translation of a couple of things one or two things in the old testament um and and it, it sort of forms as this kind of medieval mythology well most of our modern perceptions of the devil and of the satanic are are, are medieval in nature and not biblical in nature anyway <laughs> I, I, I think you're exactly right i think you're exactly right um biblical ideas of satan are on one hand a little more, they're not even that much more complex. They're just not, they're not really terribly mythological. Like the closest you get is the book of Job in which Satan is cast as a character. But, but once you, you know, what, if you were to sit and study the book of Job with like scholars, they would tell you, do your best when you read this to forget the medieval stuff that you've learned by osmosis. And then this character doesn't come across like, the lucifer fallen bringer of light anyway just right he comes across as as um the role he's meant to have in this story the book he's of, satan he's basically satan's prosecuting attorney or uh, yes, god's yeah, prosecuting yeah. attorney yes you know? yes yes in the book of job that is exactly how satan is is presented um when you by the time you kind of arrive at the new testament the, the the devil you know these kinds of images are not really mythologized they're they're allegorized they're they're sort of they're they're meant to get at um realities that the authors of the new testament and jesus um uh attempted to teach us are present right so like often um, when Jesus talks about the devil, um, Jesus might be talking about, let me tell you what Jesus, I, I'm not going to tell you what Jesus might be talking about. I don't know. I can tell you what Jesus <laughs> is not talking about. Is <laughs> right. not talking about uh, a guy who walks around and right. fucks things up. He's not like, talking about the man in black from, uh, from uh, you know, Stephen King, the stand. That's ball. right. That's right. He's <laughs> not talking about that. You know, he's not talking about Randall Flagg, you know, uh, he's he when Paul talks about the devil or the evil one, you know, Paul is not talking about that either. Like like there's a whole constellation of worldviews and theological things and things that are kind of going on that on one hand are, I guess, a little more complicated than the medieval mythology. But on the other hand, are, are also uh, far less um, out there. Like, like <laughs> if you were to say, and we, you and I have had this conversation before, and it, it jives really well with our powers and principalities episode from months earlier. Yeah, um, it's really not that far fetched to to 
for for us to imagine that that the ancient peoples understood that the world around them was governed by a host of spirits and powers. Mm-hmm. It would look that way to us too if we didn't have lots of other ways of describing what was going on. Um, and in fact, the, the kind of phenomenology of what they're describing is really not that far off from what we experience. Like that, that doesn't make them primitive peoples or like somehow out there. It's just, they're just using the tools they have to describe what's happening. And so when, when uh, Paul sees Christians being persecuted by Rome, he has, you know, and, but he also sees, as because Paul's a Roman citizen, but he also sees Roman citizens not, not being sort of uniformly evil. Right. Um, it's really not that hard for Paul to imagine that there is a power, a spirit, a, an intangible thing at play that is oppressing and it is our enemy. Uh, the words, all what the word Satan means is the adversary. Adversary, right. You know, and so when, which is, by the way, like from a confessional standpoint, Matt, like, like if I were to write a paper, you know, saying what I believe, I, I have no problem talking about the adversary. Like there are, you know, what, what is, what is Christian theology of sin and death and powers and principalities and evil? if not the adversary, you know, like mm-hmm. that which we are against as people trying to live life the way God wants us to live. And so um, that's sort of, it's funny that we bring this up because I think that's what makes Zeal and Ardor's work even more interesting because um, typical satanic black metal is really only effective when you're dealing with uh, simpleton evangelicals anyway <laughs> you know like like they're talking about satan yeah, yeah whatever but but what what Dylan Arder does is yeah they'll take that kind of mythology you know this sort of satan has come to save us mythology and they'll take it and and they'll and they'll apply it to the real concrete stuff that's happening around them and then it's supposed to make us think, well, maybe Satan isn't that bad. And then, and then Manuel Ganu is like, I've got, I'm in your, I'm in your brain. <laughs> right here. You know, I'm, I'm even more evil than you realize. Um, I think it's, uh, I think it's, it's pretty good. I think it's pretty powerful. Black liberation theologians will say over and over, uh, and they're quite correct that that the way the God the way God is described in and among a lot of white theology is actually the way the devil is described in the new Testament. Exactly my point. And, and so um, a James Cone or an, who's a black liberation theologian or a Dolores Williams, who's a, another black liberation theologian will, will tell you that this is why if Christians are serious about knowing who God is, they should primarily listen to black theologians <laughs> right. who, who will be able to tell them, oh, no, no, no. You know, like, like, Tone is like, God is black, Jesus is black, and we know Jesus is black, 
because he was killed by the police in front of his mama. You know, like, <laughs> like that's why we know he was black. And 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 he doesn't he means that sort of tongue in cheek, but he's kind of serious. Like, no, no, like like Jesus talks about relief to the captives and sight to the blind. God is is constantly shown to be a God who delivers God's people in the wilderness or is the God of these of the oppressed and, and the God of, of, of the vulnerable and the down and out. When white people describe God, they they sometimes tend to talk about a God who like promises us the earth or, <laughs> or, or like, you know, all this stuff, all this stuff that God, They're that going, the devil... that's going to save you. That's going yeah. to take care of you. Yeah. And so yeah. that's what I'm saying about why aren't, why aren't all black people in modern America Satanists? Because if you look at the original context of, of God, uh, or the Christian God in the Roman context, that was the adversary of the yep. powers that be. That would be God. Well, we've got a bunch of people nowadays who, one, believe in a guy with a cape and a red tail, mm -hmm. and two, have claimed God as theirs, i.e., uh, the God now that, that the uh, Christian evangelicals claim could very easily equate to the Roman pantheon. Sure. Sure. And for the oppressed people of our age, of our day, uh, the opposition or the adversary to that God is Satan. Right? Sure. So why aren't all people that are <laughs> oppressed... I'm I'm with you. because the, the roles have flipped they've they've the in 2000 years they've they like they've taken each other's places maybe that was if there was an entity which i don't believe that there is but if there was an entity that is satan he got what he wanted like you know, like sure. he, he took sure. the place of god right he he's mm -hmm. he's inserted himself and in, in cultivated followers that that more match his his own desires than that of god so he's already mm -hmm. won <laughs> so. sure. no no there, there's a real there's a re you're hitting something that i think is really provocative and really good without diving into the weeds too much the theorist that i'm using uh for my paper is a black feminist named sylvia winter who i've talked about in other in other places and one of the things that i find really interesting about what she does is that she she sort of traces the genealogy of different ideas and, and historically and how things kind of develop and, 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 um, and continue or be discontinued. And one of the things she suggests is the, what she calls the celestial terrestrial binary or the celestial terrestrial line, meaning um, the, the line that differentiates like the place where God is and the place where God is not in like our collective imaginations through a long process of a number of kind of shady things becomes um, uh, uh, transforms into the color line, into the, into uh, a racist racial line of white people and black people or white people and non-white people. 
And so there's this, and I won't, I won't dive headlong into her argument. It's a long argument, but it's an interesting one. And so there's this sense for her where um, the same logics that we, we use to imagine the heavenly realm and the non-heavenly realm are, are at play when we, when we sort of encounter white bodies and non-white bodies. And, and as a result, both of those things sort of mean the same thing. And so there's a sense in which whiteness for Western civilization does sort of function as the shorthand for divinity and blackness functions as a sort of shorthand for, for the demonic. I bring this up because um, Sylvia Winter might say to you in, when your question, why aren't all black people Satanists? Sylvia Winter might say to you, this is actually part of the problem because for kind of dominant, powerful white people, black people are already sort of Satanists. Like, like, like they all, they're already sort of worship the devil. And, and they might not put it that way. Like they might not know enough to say it that way, but like that, that um, language game, you know, that, that kind of, assumption is already sort of present in in our thinking and now now what's really interesting is to be uh somebody who like studies church and theology and christianity and see that very thing play out historically in black church leaders and black theologians among white people all you have to do is look at the way white pastors received martin luther king jr and right. and you will see that like like, yeah. like holy shit it's mlk like the dude is not a satanist you know? he's not a satanist he's not evil and and these and there's all these white pastors in the 50s and 60s who are like kill him you know yeah. <laughs> like murder that guy you know well that's why i think it's so important that that people keep their eye on the on the on the uh actual issues at hand right like uh if you think about even the short history of the united states uh, the Southern Democrats were the ones at the right. time that were uh, advocating slavery and separation from the Union. Those were Southern Democrats, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, Lincoln was a Republican. Um, right. Lincoln would not make it through a primary nowadays in the Republican right. Party. And the Democrats and Republicans have switched, have flip-flopped, right? right? So, like, we have to be really careful when we're talking, especially over a long period of time, we have to be very careful about what we're talking about, um, making sure that the ideals match the terminology because mm -hmm. they change, you know, exactly. the exactly. same as the same as, you know, <laughs> zeal and ardor, I would argue, isn't uh, uh, and I haven't heard any of their music, you know, but uh, based on what you've told me about them, I, I would argue that zeal and ardor is actually talking about God. Not yeah, yeah, I'm with you. <laughs> right. So, no, I think I think that's a good point. Like, I, I think theologically, I think that's absolutely right. Um, I would agree with you. I I think that zeal and ardor that that's sort of what makes the whole thing that zeal and ardor does, I think, really provocative, because there is, um, and, and it's why I uh, when Lil Nas X had his had his yeah. gyrating on Satan thing, I was like cute man that's good <laughs> like, like, like I, and i mean it like i don't mean it in a patronizing way little little nas is great but like 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 manuel Ganu 
shows up there with a fucking afro and and a black hoodie and and black pants and and screams like a banshee into a microphone you know oh father satan you know like like, <laughs> like it's it's come on brother like that's amazing but but like think about what you're bringing up that i find the thing that you're you're sort of getting at that i find really great and that that i'm hoping comes across in my paper is that because zeal and ardor is an ostensibly anti-racist thing that because there is this sense in which they identify satan not with the nazis right like they identify mm -hmm. satan with as a liberator they identify satan as somebody who is who is throwing off you know the yoke of oppression right like right. they identify satan as somebody who would have been on george floyd's side right that is that's what makes their work um uh that's what does some really interesting things here right like on one hand it's what it's what you're responding to i think like you're responding like, you know, well, well, they're really talking about God. And I'm like, yeah, man, I fucking agree with you. But but it also means in a, in a, in a and I'll say this hopefully at the end of my paper. It also <laughs> means that they achieve maybe for the first time what black metalers have been trying to achieve, which is which is a style of music that legitimately is transgressive. You know, that right. that legitimately is 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 one that 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 breaks everything, you know. And because black metalers are always about that like that's what this varg vickerns guy is all sure. about he's like, i wanted to make music that 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 you know broke all the rules it got and, under people's skin intentionally exactly. exactly you know it's a common it's a common tactic <laughs> it, it works it quite well <laughs> it does it does but uh but but in the process you know I'm sorry, you can't. I know that. I know that we. Everybody always tries to cast fascists as these like punk rockers, but they're just fascist guys. Like, like yeah. they're just. They got more in common with suits on Wall Street than they do anybody else. Like, come on. Well, the thing is, like, most, um, in my experience anyway, having been a punk music fan forever, and you know, I, I you know, there's lots of Nazi punks out there, or skinheads. Right. And, my experience has been that the, the people involved in the in the hardcore movement in the neo-nazi movement they're just angry they're angry yeah. and they feel oppressed and they're and they're lashing out and they don't really understand what capital f fascism really is because they're they're pawns to it because they're they're just responding uh emotionally in an, in an angry and aggressive way. And that's the, the way that uh, it presents itself. And, and that's the one that makes their parents freak out. And that's the one that like, as a society as a whole, when you throw the term Nazi out there, you know, everybody freaks out rightfully so because the Nazis right. were bad dudes, you know, and, and those people that are trying to quote unquote, burn it all down are going to use that imagery. And they're going to use that, that, that like, those those words to to uh to elicit that kind of to cause discomfort and to yeah. cause pain and to cause fear in the same way that they feel it you know so i don't even know that most of those guys uh that are involved in those sorts of movements really really buy it they don't they don't mm -hmm. they, they don't really think that deeply about it they're they're there um as an effect of of other things that drive them to that uh to that 
kind of way of life. I don't, I don't think that they really have a, a firm understanding of, of what to do after that. It's kind of like the dog when it catches the car. Well, now what do I do? <laughs> right, right. Now, so, what's next now? You know? right. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. But, uh, but yeah, brother, that's what I'm, that's what I'm doing. And, and I, that'll be due on the 14th, this paper. And then I'm done for a few days um, until my German class starts on the 24th. <laughs> then you have to read books that are in German. <laughs> that's well, yeah, bro. That's hopefully, uh, hopefully that's not going to go too bad. And then I start speaking of, speaking of Nazis, <laughs> speaking of Nazis. That's right. Well, the best thing about a lot of Germans nowadays are, are like, pray don't bring up the Nazis, you know, like, oh, not, no, there's a, there's a, there's an active Nazi party in Germany. I'm not right? saying there isn't. I know that, <laughs> you know, like there's an active Nazi party in the United States, but yeah. like, like I know that, but like uh, uh, at least most polite. There was a time when most polite Germans were Nazi. <laughs> <laughs> well, that that's the thing. Like that's the thing that I find so interesting about what's going on with the Nazi Party in Germany right now. None of them are over like forty. <laughs> you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Because no, everybody that's older than that's like no. Like we've been there, we've no. done that. Like you don't know what you're, you don't know what you're digging up. You know. And uh, <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. And again, I think they're latching onto that iconography. They're latching onto that that uh, those those phrases and terms specifically to get a charge out of people. For for folks like that, like I think about the uh, the Nazis that march in Charlottesville. I wasn't here yet, but mm -hmm. you know, the relatively young white men ultimately, mm -hmm. you know marching in charlottesville singing chanting about blood and soil yeah and and jews will not replace us and and stuff like that and, and we're ultimately talking about about people who have never had to really worry about anything once in their lives right and i know that because otherwise they'd be working right maybe at their jobs you know <laughs> or they or they wouldn't they wouldn't be complaining about like simple things like dr seuss or or exactly. uh mr potato head like th those are very karen-esque uh <laughs> problems yeah, right like you, right you've never really been oppressed like that's one of the things that i always that i reflect on regularly from my experience working in the international prison you know we yeah. would be you know so we would I, I had people from all over the world i had people that lived through the Ger rwandan genocide wow. um and and you know it would be like i would say something like well if you if you, you know, do this thing wrong, I'm going to put you in the shoe, which is the segregated housing unit, you know, and they were like, well, at least you're not cutting my hands off today, you know, <laughs> so like, like, it just wasn't like, it wasn't the same sort of like, I, I, I could put a white kid in the shoe for stealing chicken out of the kitchen, and it would like totally mess with his head. But if I took one of these Rwandan guys and put him in the shoe, they would be like, oh, that's that's nothing because th their experiences right. are completely different. Right. <laughs> so, right. right. And like, and I'm not here to, you know, I'm not, I'm not here to play oppression Olympics or, or <laughs> anything like that. I, I just want to point out that I think you're right. Like, I think that, that these neo-Nazi people are not, now it doesn't make them any less dangerous or any less despicable, but like, oh, I think it doesn't take much to, to load a firearm up and start shooting. You know, exactly. it doesn't matter what your motivation is when that's the end result, you know, exactly. you can be justified or not justified or whatever but i mean the result of the action is still the same so it's not that i'm not trying to mitigate their their danger or say that oh, they're not 
they're not uh, a threat or anything. I'm just saying that they're not as pure as they think they are. As they think they are, right. Well, I mean, and, and, it's, and it, it comes across as like a clown college tryouts, you know, that's what I call yeah. it, a clown, a clown fiesta. I, uh, I've watched videos, not that I sit around and watch videos of people getting killed, but I've, we've seen, particularly in the last couple of years, we've seen all kinds of footage of, of people of color getting killed, not just by, by a lot of people, not police mm-hmm. and others. And, you know, if I, if I had to, if I had to know that that was a live possibility for my family and I, well, I mean, we go outside, we can get killed for a misunderstanding. Mm-hmm. Like that that was a real possibility. Any That can happen to anybody. Don't get me wrong. I know that. Uh, man, I wouldn't fucking leave my house. You <laughs> well, know? you wouldn't be able to. If you were, right. fa- if, if, I mean, if you worried about every possible outcome of every possible situation, you'd be paralyzed. You wouldn't be able to do anything. Um, but I think sometimes we overstate um, the threat level. Sometimes we overstate, and, and I think the media sometimes, not, not, not always, but sometimes overstates uh, the, the threat level to maintain people's interests. It came out recently. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. It, it came out recently that uh, uh, the CDC was uh, overestimating the likelihood of contracting coronavirus outdoors. They said that it was less than right. 10% when it's really less than 1%. So the C- CDC wasn't by the letter of the law lying because 1% is less than 10%. So they were saying a, a true thing. They just weren't being as accurate as they could have been with the mm-hmm. information. And it's being blown up on Fox News is that they were lying about it. And it's being brought up on MSNBC is that they were that they were being uh, unfaithful with the truth and blah, blah, blah. But I mean, whatever the motivations are, it, it, we're talking about uh, a relatively small segment of the population that's going to be affected by it to begin with. Right. And, you know, we're, we're shutting down the whole country over it. And again, I'm not saying that it's not a valid threat or anything like that. I'm just saying that it's important to be honest and accurate with your information so that you don't expose yourself to that sort of criticism. Right. You Mm -hmm. don't allow Mm -hmm. people to have that um, that criticism. And right now uh, we're in such an environment that like everybody's looking for that sort of window to 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 expose the other person. And, uh, and, and point out the flaws and the negativities. And it's just unfortunate. Like we have to, we have to be able to, to understand threats and, and manage them and move on from them. Like not every doorknob you touch has the coronavirus on it, but you know, it is a legitimate disease that can kill people. So we have to just be able to take those. We have to be informed about things. And, uh, it's in people's best interests in companies, best interest, not to necessarily give you the straight answers. It's there are other motivations involved. Does that make sense? I think it does. No, I think it does. And, and, uh, and, you know, the, we're, we're, we're past a year of the, of the coronavirus and feels like it'll never go away. And well, everybody's sick of it. You know, everybody's sick of it. Everybody's like, so sick of it. But uh, I, but that doesn't mean that everything that was done was done in bad faith or was done uh, with the uh, 
intention of controlling the population either. I mean, come on. No, I completely agree with you. And, uh, and, and I think that um, if I was, if this was happening only, let's say, let's put it, let's be a wacky thought experiment. If the coronavirus only was taking place in my church while I was serving, um, and that was it. And I, uh, and it was on me to figure all of this out, to like figure out, you know, okay, who's going to work on a vaccine? Like, what, what are we going to do? Like if it, if it in this bizarre way only function in this little tiny space, but I was the leader um, and I handled myself the way Trump handled himself. I, I hopefully would have been thrown in prison. Because, <laughs> because this right. so so when I'm what I'm about to say is not I think this I'm not gonna say it's a hundred percent Trump's fault because I don't know what that would mean. I don't think but, it is. I mean I don't it's not any more than you do, but I mean let's place blame where it belongs and it's not his fault. No. But but for me, you know, if I were to say, if I were to look at it you know, as if this was on me, like part of the reason why everybody is in the rough shape they're in is because the sort of public leader was sort of unable to, at the very least, unite people, figure well, out how to keep us. And more than that, up. more than that, he didn't err on the side of caution. Right. Right. Like Anthony Fauci's taking a lot of stuff right now from mm -hmm. the right. Because he erred on the side of caution. I have less a problem with that. First of all, the things that we're being asked to do aren't that oppressive anyway. <laughs> like wearing right. a mask, standing six feet away from somebody, not gathering together in large groups. These are not tough asks. These are not like violations of anyone's civil rights. But like to, to, um, to get everybody to comply if they exaggerated the risk to err on the side of caution to protect some of those people who may have been at risk, I'm more willing to accept that than mm. something like Trump did, which is to ignore the problem entirely and allow it to run rampant. And then those people that could have been saved with that added uh, layer of caution are dead now. Uh, yeah. I'd rather err on the side of caution and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna attack the CDC for um, for overstating a, per, a per possible threat, right? Yeah. What I am saying is it's important for the CDC or anybody, but the CDC is the example that we're, we're talking about. But yeah, yeah. the information has to be sort of unfiltered. It has to be you, you can't you can't make things up or not that they make things up or 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 um, you can't overemphasize things because it's going to affect your credibility down the line. And then that's going to create a problem, a greater problem in the future. So I understand the impetus to err on the side of caution. I really do. But it's important that the, the facts be straight and the facts match no matter what level of scrutiny is, is placed on them. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, you're going to have problems. But like you were saying, if you were in charge of your, just your church and you responded the way that Trump did, you should be held to account for that because you 
willfully disallowed that information to be disseminated to to your congregation you willfully um were negligent right mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. whereas if i was in charge of the church and i went the anthony fauci route i could very well be in trouble too for overestimating the threat level and and, and but it, so it's, it's best to just be honest right just best right, be right. honest <laughs> and I agree with you. The other side of that, I'm, I don't, I'm not disagreeing. The other side of that is the, so I think about like 2019 and, and the way in which, you know, at the church, we had these kind of long formal conversations about LGBTQ people and about the legislation that's on the table. Right. Like the approach I took was to be honest, but the approach I took was to be honest Um while making sure that folks kind of understood what sort of virtues we were going to be practicing and the way in mm -hmm. which the way in which we were going to be together as an entity during the midst of this. And, and I set that tone and I set those, those kind of standards um, while being as honest as I possibly could with the information that I had. And for me, that's really all I needed Trump to do. I didn't need Trump to have any, answers to anything because it wasn't it's not like he's a he's a fucking virologist like i get it you know like no but he he so. is a he is a sociopath and he is a narcissist so i know him, it's I, important that he has the answers but what people I, don't I recognize know. is that he's a sociopath and a narcissist and that's why he behaves the way he does but go ahead it, exactly but that's all i mean like like when i think about the way in which you know it was handled in that way and, and the kind of emotional social state of, of people in this country in relation to each other and in relation to the coronavirus, folks were talking at such, for such different reasons about such different things. You know, when, when, when you have the Lieutenant Governor of Texas saying that the, the elderly, elderly citizens of the United States are prepared to sacrifice their lives to keep right. the economy going. You know, like, like, and everybody's like, what? Huh? But, but it wasn't everybody who's that way. It was only a small, it was only a group of us who were that way. It was only him. <laughs> yeah, be, because, because Trump, because Trump was like, Trump was like, yeah, it sounds good. Or, you know, whatever, you know, we got to open up. It's all going to end soon. Well, you know, the libs, they're just trying to use this as a way to fuck me up. Oh my God. Like, like, please, please just tell people to be careful and wear masks and not kill each other. You know, like <laughs> that's all you can fucking do, you know, ask people not to kill each other. And then that might be okay, but he can't do that because what if the people who want to kill somebody are going to vote for him? Right. And well, and that's, that's the thing. That's what, that's what surprises me so much about people that are that devoted to, to Trump. I mean, they just bounced Liz Cheney this morning, Liz yeah, so. Cheney, Liz effing Cheney, right? She's not exactly a paragon of the left, right? No. She, her dad was the devil like 16 right. years ago, right? This is not like uh, a Republican or uh, conservative and liberal argument with Liz Cheney, right? She's just saying, hey, we can't straight up lie to people. We can't just make shit up. And they bounced her for it now here's the interesting mm. part if you look at the demographics of the united States, we're getting on the politics now so i'm getting wound up <laughs> it's fine this is a, way, you, this is a good way to, to close this out 
Yeah, if you look at the demographics of the United States right now, I think 20, uh, you Google it, 29% of the people in the United States are registered Republicans, something like 34% are registered Democrat, 41% are registered Independent, okay? Mm. Most Independents lean one way or the other with majority of people leaning towards the Democratic side. The, the, the Republicans only can maintain control with a quarter of the population. That's one in four of the population by uh, these kind of boot, uh, boot on the neck um, tactics, right? right That's right. the only way they can maintain it. And there's been an exodus of people from both parties, but particularly from the right, which means that everything you hear a Republican say anymore all the moderates are leaving. <laughs> They're becoming independents, right? So mm. the only thing that you're hearing from the Republican Party is the people that stayed there who are the more radicalized Republicans, right? So of course, it's going to get crazier and crazier and crazier to the point where now they are throwing out Liz F. and Cheney, <laughs> right. who's about as conservative as it gets, in favor of a person who is not very bright, um, but popular for some reason. He's a reality show host. He's a circus clown. But he somehow has these 25% of people locked in. And that's all anybody can focus on. And nobody recognizes the fact that there's 75% of the country that doesn't want anything to do with him. Right? So we, we devote a lot of time and a lot of effort and a lot of fear and a lot of anxiety into what's going to happen with these elections People aren't on his side anymore. The majority of the country aren't on his side anymore. So the Republicans have gone into uh, defense mode where they're where they're cheating, right? They're Ooh. doing things like they're doing in Pennsylvania, which they're trying to take over the state legislature. Well, they already have a state legislature, but they're trying to take over uh, the governorship through the legislature which I, I can get into later, but like they're, they're playing these dirty tactics is why we have gerrymandering, right? So a minority population can control a majority population. It, 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 it's all like there for anybody to open their eyes and see, right? It makes me want to be a Satanist. <laughs> <laughs> That's the code, right? That's it makes me want to be a Satanist is code for God. <laughs> How long will you hide your face, oh God? <laughs> no, I, I know what you mean. It makes and, it makes yeah. the adversary to that system look pretty damn good. That's all I'm saying. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, I feel you. I feel you. And, I, and like for me, like I've stopped since since Biden got elected. It's not that I stopped paying attention. I've just stopped watching the um like the the the, the Trump coverage, you know, like well, there's not as much of it anymore. Thank not as much of it anymore. Thankfully, you're right. But like, I do my best to to because otherwise, she's gonna make me mad and and upset <laughs> and scared, you know. Because I just can't handle it. Like, I can't handle more, more of that nonsense, you know. And and oh, I can't do it. But no, I have been following the Liz Cheney stuff, and I just shake my head. I'm just like, okay, I guess this is. I guess this is the strategy. It's it seems to be a strategy that can't possibly work without blanket, without just like 
rampant cheating everywhere. Well, just... and that's that's what's happened. That's that's what they've resorted to. That's why there's so much trouble with you know the Georgia election and there's all these recounts being demanded and Jim Jordan's out there screaming about why it's okay for uh, Democrats to oppose the 2016 election, but it's not okay for Republicans to oppose the 2020 election. Nobody said that, Jim. Nobody, nobody said that. But he <laughs> phrases it in congressional hearings. He can, he, he phrases it and, and kind of molds that bully pulpit into mm. into his own narrative vanity that's what gets played on you know uh right. which is scrunchy face the other guy uh, tucker tucker fucking tucker yeah, but like I hate that guy. but you know jim jordan's rant will be the thing that they're covering yeah. you know and all it illustrates is my point about how media can um exacerbate a problem can make something sound way worse than it really is you know jim Ooh. jordan getting airtime is is equivalent to the cdc not telling us that coronavirus was one percent uh effective for transmission outside as in, as ten percent it's the same vein right you're you're right. blowing things up that aren't that uh, as big a deal and you know our media is geared for that that's how you get clicks that's how you get ratings right that's why people mm -hmm. make the most outrageous tiktoks they can that's why people yeah. you know it's it's attention seeking grabbing your attention for that it doesn't matter if it's true it doesn't matter if it's real it just matters that you know somebody's watching mm -hmm. you're right you're right in in conclusion that's a good way <laughs> to end us but but in conclusion um my favorite tiktok in the whole world right. and there, there's been some good ones i'm not on tiktok Nick is Nick will drop me a TikTok and I'll be like, oh, that's cool. And some of them are really good. There's a recent one. This isn't this is a side one where where some girl was like, let's talk about uh, uh, what all the characters in Lord of the Rings would do if Ted Cruz walked into a bar that they were, <laughs> you know, and, and she kind of goes through it. She's like, Aragorn is too full of grace and honor to even look Ted Cruz in the eye. But Ted Cruz would like want to talk to him. So it'd be like, hey, Aragorn, how you doing? And and Aragorn would have to like pray to Eru the one and like walk out of the bar <laughs> before he just beheads him. Boromir would get super drunk and challenge him to a duel and kill him. You know, Sam, who would own the bar, would toss him out. Like it'd be great. Uh, but my favorite TikTok in the world, like the tick, the first TikTok I ever listened to that made me laugh like like really, really hard. I was in an emotional space at the time was a TikTok that I saw on Twitter a day after this happened, where after the Rudy Giuliani um, uh, press conference in front of the um, landscaping company, um, like like the where, where he thought he was going to the Four Seasons Hotel, but he actually goes to the Four Seasons <laughs> Which is Land brilliant. That's just pure Rudy. Which, is, which I just, it's like Truman Show level. Is this for real? Um, and these are the people that, that they follow. That's what exactly. These are the geniuses they follow. Uh, there's a there's a TikTok of just some woman. It was just some like, you know, maybe my age, who who like looks like she's about to cry, but she's like, I don't think enough people are talking about the fact that Rudy Giuliani thought he was going to a press conference at the Four Seasons <laughs> Hotel. 
but instead she he went to the Four Seasons landscaping. And when she gets to landscaping, it turns out that she's not almost crying. She's just trying to get through the TikTok without <laughs> laughing so hard that she's going to like fall off her chair. And she gets to landscaping and she just la- she just loses it. She starts laughing so hard. She's crying like she could not take it. And it was totally real. Like she was not pretending like like she's, she's like tears are just streaming down her cheeks. And she's like, and they made him do it. They Trump was like, you get up there and you talk in front of yeah. us. Yeah. Like, you make it do, it. do you remember? Do you remember when that happened to uh, Reagan? No, brother. I, do you I remember don't... when that happened to to Clinton? Or, no, I can't remember that. Or Bush, I can't remember that. either one, no. or Obama. Yeah, I can't remember that either. How much incompetence do you people need to see <laughs> before you get what we're talking about? Yeah, just I, I, incompetent. Oh. like it, that's never happened before because we didn't have incompetent leadership before. You may not have agreed with George Bush. I sure as hell didn't. You know, may not have agreed with Dick Cheney. I sure as hell did. But he never gave a speech in front of a landscaping company because he fucked up his bookings. Come on. Right. Well, and I and I my theory, my whole theory behind that is that there is a legendary White House intern who is sitting on a book somewhere who is like who's like written this down. How I got Rudy Giuliani <laughs> to go to a landscaping company, you know, <laughs> like, well, see, like, and, like, and there therein lies the, the conspiracy theory thing that we talked about a couple of weeks ago. Right. About right, how things yeah. have to have to have something more important, right? Like I was talking about right. the Kennedy assassination. Like it can't just be that Rudy's that stupid. Like there had to have been an intern that fucking set him up or did something. No, brother. <laughs> it's just, yeah. it's just that dumb. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the human the human brain. I've said this about Trump all the time, right? The human brain rebels against that thought. Like, the human brain's like, it can't be. No, it can't be. He can't be the stupidest human being yeah. I've ever seen. Like, yeah, he, and, he actually just he just is. <laughs> yeah, he just kind of is. You know, he, him and him and Rudy both apparently. Like, like, and I see this anytime. Like Seth Meyers talks about Rudy, like on his show, where he's he's like, remember Rudy's Rudy? The FBI just raided Rudy's, you know, Rudy's house, and he's he's gonna he's almost certainly, hopefully, gonna go to prison, and then we'll never see him again. And and it's like now the crazy thing is is like Rudy admits to his crimes all the time, you know. Yeah. And he, he put, he put well, and that's what's so in. that's what's so crazy about it. Their, their mo is just to just to do it, and and yeah, because <laughs> people think you can't possibly be that dumb, and and they have to invent reasons to like Ted Cruz has to. Ted Cruz's wife gets insulted by Trump. He he. Whenever he's running against him in 2016, he comes out and says something like, hey, I, not many things get me mad, but, you know, if you mess with my wife and my kid, then then it's on. And Donald, you're a sniveling coward and whatever. Leave whatever my wife out of it. Or he comes out with his real. And now he's licking his boots like yeah. <laughs> you can't make that stuff up. Come right. On. You can't make it. Like, you can't make it up. There's no conspiracy theory theory big enough. I don't care how deep into QAnon you are. <laughs> like you can't make right. that shit up. <laughs> right, right. These people are all just moral idiots. Like all of them are <laughs> moral idiots and intellectual idiots. You know, like, and all the people that and all the people in their party that recognize that are bailing. And the only people oh, that yeah. are left, the only people that are left are the ones that don't care. You know, they're the ones that yeah. that. that you know, go to skinhead concerts because it pisses people off. That's right. that's the people that are left. That's the people that are left in that party. 
So of yeah. course they're gonna bounce Liz Cheney. <laughs> but well, so we've, was we've learned today that we've learned today that like the Republicans are crazy and that all black people are Satanists, right? <laughs> right. And that and that might be a good thing. Maybe that's a good thing. <laughs> we'll see. Oh Lord. <laughs> Friends, thanks for this. This has been an episode of Who Could Chats with Matt and Ethan. We'll see you next time.